For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, Mm -hmm. what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, episode Four of season two. There you go. It's been a while. It has been a while. You back from vacation? (laughs) I'm back from the near dead. (laughs) I'm I'm heading on vacation, though. We want our loyal listeners to know that uh, we thought of you every day. Yeah, we did. And uh, we really did try and and, uh, get some podcasting done the last couple months, but it just kept not happening. Yeah. So life happens. And Alex uh, just kept almost being dead. (laughs) It's that time of year, right? Yes. We were joking. The snow falling and the bells ringing and Al's incapacity. This this confirms something to me about people with red hair that they're genetically deficient in many ways and are therefore more Uh. susceptible. To uh, certain diseases. Is that true? Well, uh, no, but it's surprising that we'd start at this podcast with racist <laughs> commentary. What race are red, red-haired people? Scandinavian? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the Welsh in me. Are you Welsh? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Dutch great, and Welsh. Great heritage there, the Welsh. Yeah, there's some grit in yeah. there. Tom Jones? No idea. You know, the singer? No. Stomping Tom? You know Tom, you know Tom Jones. He's Welsh? He's Welsh. He's got that, uh, it's not unusual to oh, be yeah. loved by anyone. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. This <laughs> makes me want to dance a little bit, you know? <clears throat> Great heritage. Great heritage. You bring the funk to this podcast here. <laughs> well, anyway, we're back and uh, happy to have with us uh, old hand, old timer. Old yeah, here I am. Here he is. Happy to be you here. You should have seen him. He showed up in like some uh, dirty old farm clothes. Looked like yeah, it was just filthy. In the back I don't 40. even know what happened. I think they were clean clothes. Were you pulling a just stump out of the yard or what? Like, <laughs> no, I try to avoid honest labor wherever possible. But I'm happy to be here for a Christmas episode. Yeah, it there is. You go. And it's so festive outside. It I is. You can't see with the curtain, but there's at least, what? Ten inches out there? Yeah. There's snow a lot of snow. It's compacted quite a bit um, just due to the uh, melting. The perfect snow for uh, snowmen and snowballs, mm-hmm. those types of snow things. Snow cones. Snow forts. We gotta, before we begin, we got to give a shout out to our official sponsor of this episode. Hey, we got an official sponsor yeah, now. Yeah, we do. It's the Folklorist. Mm. So for those who don't know, the Upper Forger studio where we meet is actually the studio of the one and the only Folklorist. And uh, AKA Tristan, often imitated, never duplicated. Yes, yes, yes. and true. and <laughs> shout out to the folklorists who just had their music uh, featured in the today release documentary "Antichrist and His Ruin." Uh, you can hear him in the introduction, and then at the end, I believe they'll feature the entire single. Hmm. And if you 
go to the website for Antichrist and His Ruin. We would encourage you to do that. You can download that documentary. Super cheap. 17 bucks. Yeah. Seriously. For you can't afford not to download it. You said 15 it. earlier. Yeah, with tax, 17. Okay. And it's it's like two hours and 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, well, actually some of it was filmed in this very room. That's right. But anyways, he's featured in that. We'll include his social links below, but encourage you to check it out. Um, he's an artist. He's doing some great things. And uh, we'll link to his Patreon, his Twitter, his Instagram. And uh, yeah, support support Christian art. And um, that's right. Good Christian art. Good yeah, Christian yeah. art. <laughs> yeah. That, not, narrow, that narrows Nashville. the playing field a little yeah, bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And we got to also give a shout out to Kortha Classical Christian that's School. That's right. Are they the unofficial sp- They are, are they the unofficial. The unofficial, okay. Yeah. What we're, just, we're just always bigging it up because it's such an awesome school. It is. It is. Yeah. We got our Christmas program tonight. We're going to have a bunch of little kids singing Latin. And uh, reciting poetry. Yeah, and scripture. And praising the Lord. I yeah. mean, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. So the Lord's been good to us. But if you find it in your cold little Scrooge-like heart to support us. <laughs> That's but, quite the indictment on your, yeah. your wow. listener Just base here. Assumed everybody's a curmudgeon out there. No, our listeners are the most generous people around, I, I like to think. <laughs> But uh, yeah, KawarthaClassical.com, and if you want to make a year-end donation, that would go a long way to keeping children warm through the winter. Yeah, and our principal warm through the winter. <laughs> our as principal a, as well. As someone who pops by the school pretty regularly, it's amazing to see the difference between um, how the kids behave there mm-hmm. versus how kids in the public school, or even how they, even how they think about their schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at a... a customer's house this morning and their their kid just didn't go to school and i was like oh is this is it like uh you know is it school canceled They're like no there was just a lot of snow you know and the kids just happy to not go but when i go to kccs the kids are just having the time of their life oh yeah, yeah i sure. mean obviously it's, it's you know they're kids you know they get tired they get sick of things every now and then but the overall mood of the place is one of of excitement yeah they're sad and, when they can't go yeah yeah, Jerry, you're like the unofficial sponsor of KCCS. That's true. Coffee delivery boy. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Just show up. I'm it's, the unofficial it makes me sponsor. So happy when you show up of the unofficial sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could do more. You know, honestly. you will yeah. one day. One day, when my business goes bust, I can teach music. <laughs> or when it blows up, that's and right. You when I don't employees. have to do any yeah. work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can teach the hurdy gurdy. Our music oh, class. The, I wish I knew how to play the hurdy gurdy. That's a cool instrument. Do you it's have like one? A medieval? No. Yeah. Is it, is it, if anybody does not know what a hurdy gurdy is, I have no idea what this is. It is a crankshaft driven instrument. Um, how would you describe it? I mean, what more can you say than that? It's <laughs> it's a stringed instrument, correct? Yeah. Uh, it generates a vibration of the strings, but you play it. As you, you you crank it and you you play the notes you want to play with your other hand and it just it's got that droney sound to it almost like a, a bagpipe mm-hmm. but with more notes like you can play more notes at the same time it's it's yeah it's neat but we're not here to talk about hurdy gurdies today no, no we're not we're here to talk about hope yeah we are Christmas yeah Advent. yeah so I just thought that one of the best ways we could end our uh, End the year, anyhow. I feel like we're still just starting. Admittedly, the year. <laughs> a brief season. Yeah. I, okay, we're we're ending the year, but we're continuing the season. Okay. Okay. 
And uh, it's a four episode season. Folks. Yeah, four what is this, British TV. What is going <laughs> yeah, on? Hey, you you get what you pay for. All right, this is free. Free <laughs> entertainment. Free entertainment. <laughs> if you guys want me to do more, you got to pay me to take a day off work every week. Come. Um, but I just thought we could, being the Christmas season, focus on the hope of Christmas. Hmm. And uh, someone said a couple of years ago. Um, I think it was uh, David Bonson online. I saw him say that, you know, Christmas is a one time a year that, you know, unbeknownst to many Christians, we get everyone to sing post-millennial songs. That's right. And Christmas, give us an example of some post-millennial. Uh, well, joy to the world. Yeah, it's a great and, one. Um, it's not even a Christmas song. Right. It, was, but, it wasn't written as a, as a holiday tune. But. Yeah. But very much in line with scriptures celebrating the coming of Jesus as something is uh, monumental. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of Christians in our narrative of um, the Christian story, we, we place a lot of um, the benefits of Christ's coming in the future. Right. So we would say the forgiveness of sins is obviously a present reality and, you know, reconciliation to God and, and being born again, say, um, but, a lot of Christians haven't given a lot of thought to just the cosmic magnitude of the coming of Jesus mm. Christ. But when you even just read through the couple first couple chapters of Luke, and if you think about um, how Luke is seeing and how how the people he's recording understood the coming of Jesus Christ, they saw this as the fulfillment of um, an expectation, a waiting and a longing. Mm. And there is certainly a a way in which Christians still long for the full hope of what Christ will be and and, and do for us. Um, But we ought not to overlook what Christ has accomplished and the present reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and Christmas, when we sing these songs, we are not, we're not, um, creating some false positive reality like this is in a very real sense christmas should for a christian life christmas should be every day and that's how we should view every day uh in in light of the coming of jesus so i just thought um things are dark it's been a rough couple years what's coming down the pipe for our culture um is not looking good and we need to lift our eyes and get our perspective um, from scripture and yeah. when we do that you know it's a hopeful the, the the image of a tree is such a powerful image it's someone was saying recently that um uh, arboreal images tree images in the scripture are yeah. second most to, um, they're one of the main things right. that are appealed to vines trees vines or... trees but but that's not an accident yeah because mm-hmm. what do trees do um they they inevitably grow. They're mm-hmm. always growing, mm-hmm. and we are living in a time uh, where the the mustard seed, the smallest of all the plants, yeah. is in the midst of becoming the greatest of all the plants. Yes, right? that's right. You don't despise a tree because it's not yet at its full expression. No, no. Uh, you rejoice that it's growing, and it can't be stopped. Yeah, that it's is inevitable. The, that is the kingdom of God. If it's planted by streams of water, yeah, yeah. it will grow As and Solomon flourish. Says, yeah, that's right. So let me, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead by asking this question. What happened when Jesus came? What is it that was of such cosmic significance? Well, Jesus is understood by um, his disciples and looking back, the writers of scripture, as the Davidic king. 
Like he is the king, he is the Messiah, he is the one who is going to make the world right to undo all of the wrong and the right. ruin, and he's going to do that um, by dying in the place of sinners for their sins. But the purpose of that, Paul says in Colossians, is to restore his preeminence, that in all things he might be preeminent, mm. that the world was radically disordered away from the rule of God. It was As we see in Genesis 1, we were yeah. created to live under his rule and rule over creation in his name. And instead, Romans 1, there's an inversion where we seek to be God. And instead of living under him, we seek to rule over him. And then we, instead of enter, you know, instead of practicing dominion under the rule of Christ and extending his rule, we domination, we try to extend our rule. Well, what Jesus is doing when he comes is he's not only dying for his people, he's reestablishing his authority as king. And, 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 and I want to say in a practical way, and so this is why the writer John can say in Revelation that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And now. Now. <laughs> like he is presently yeah. the ruler of the kings. It says in 1 Timothy 6.15, he is the blessed and only sovereign. It is a direct, uh, is a direct contradiction of the sovereignty of Caesar a direct contradiction, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the claim of Jesus Christ and the testimony of um, Scripture and the, you know, the hope of his people is that when Jesus Christ came, um, he, he, he came as a king and he came to establish his kingdom. Mm. And, this is not something that is only going to happen in the future. The right. fullness, we do wait the fullness yeah. of that coming. Yeah, Hebrews 2 makes it clear that there is that already not yes, yet. You know. Absolutely. But we ought not to overlook. And, and the, re- the problem of overlooking is you actually lose hope. Like you, if you treat right. Jesus coming as like this private thing that happened so that you could just be forgiven, but nothing else beyond that, it's going to be hard. You, you place all of your weight on what's going to happen right. and you don't rejoice in what has taken place. There's there's a view that places all of the earthly benefits of Christ coming in the future. Yes. And all of the spiritual, spiritual. benefits are, are now and in the future. Yeah. Um, but we would say that the earthly benefits of Christ's rule began when he came Yeah, and that they grow steadily and slowly over time. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important to keep in... You were alluding to that, Al, the, the, the full expanse, the full extent of Christ's ministry, uh, ministry in yeah. view at Christmas that can kind of be this narrowizing where it's like the incarnation. The incarnation was crucial. You don't yeah. have a Christ who can die or, or, or resurrect without the incarnation. But it was, the, it was the beginning of a totality of work. It was the beginning of a body of work. Yes. Um, that is, that was begun and is now playing out and is now growing and expanding and encroaching. Yes. And will one day, uh, you know, re- re- we will receive it in its totality. Yes. Right. But it, we need to look at it as its whole, as the whole thing. That's yeah. where you get the hope, right? Yeah. It's, I love how they put it in Joy to the World. He comes to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. And it's like, okay, so what did Jesus accomplish? One way of thinking of it is where do you see ruin and sin and decay uh, and unbelief 
in shadow well everywhere okay well he came to defeat that like his blessing goes wherever there's shadows and so often we could think that no he just came to deal with the shadows of my heart he just came to deal with the darkness of my it's like no 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 no. yeah he came to remake this whole thing right and to reestablish the entire world around his rule i think of uh john 12 uh, 31 and 32 um this is in jesus when he's speaking about being lifted up from the earth uh, he says now is the judgment of this world now will the ruler of this world be cast out and i when i am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself yes there's a connection between christ's work on the cross and the fact that the actual uh, the actual order of this world has been cosmically altered. Yes. Or as Paul says in Colossians, he disarmed the rulers and principalities and authorities specifically by being crucified. That's right. And so what they thought was a dagger through his heart was actually a dagger through theirs Mm -hmm. because in the death of Christ, there's no more condemnation because Christ was condemned that the, the law, which says guilty to all of humanity, um, Christ bore that guilt and condemnation. So that sinners can be set free. But to your point, there's a very real sense in which Satan was disarmed. That's right. He did not, he doesn't have free reign anymore like he did. No, not to the same degree. I mean, he's still the ruler, um, you know, the, the powers of the air. Like he's still those who don't believe are sons of the devil in some sense that they do as their father does. But, um, it's kind of like he's a defeated enemy. Yeah. Right. Like it's inevitable. Like we've landed, we've taken the beach and we still need to get to Berlin, but we will, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, Christians need to keep that perspective. Um, not only the Christ has come, but I, I wrote, you know, the light of Christ can't be overcome. And we get that from John one five. Again, That's the right. light shines in the darkness yet. The darkness has not overcome it. And Christians need to, this is, this is like the indomitable hope. This is the, it doesn't matter what happens. Um, when you like light, there's a, there's a view that's kind of like light and dark are in this battle back and forth, almost like two, two fighters or something. And, and in the end, we know one will win, but it's kind of dicey right now. Yeah. Um, certainly the nation's rage and the people's plot, but mm-hmm. they do so in vain. And the light of Jesus, Jesus is not in competition with evil. Yeah. He's not in competition with the devil. Yeah, In his providence, he is allowing for a time of mercy for repentance. Because when he comes back, it's over. Yeah. But too many Christians view the conflict between good and evil, between Christ and darkness, as like this back and forth between equals. And it's like, no, 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 no. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And now is a time of kindness, and God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. And He is allowing the wheat, uh, the, the the goats, you know, to mm-hmm. exist, and He's allowing the tares to exist, and um, for the sake of you know repentance, yeah. But not because He's struggling in the battle. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean. That's one of the really encouraging things. As you read through the story of Scripture, the unfolding story of redemption, yes. you get this uh, impression of intentionality. Yes. It's a steady march forward. Yes, The reason you can make 
such confident prophecies about the 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 suffering uh redeemer yeah right it's bec- it's because it's not in doubt the reason no. you can make uh such confident pred- confident predictions of the redemption of the world and yeah and the child playing by the cobra's nest is mm. you can only do those things if you're absolutely certain in what's going to happen yes and even even the act of redemption even the cross it, that was that was an intertrinitarian transaction mm-hmm. it wasn't as if he had to pay the devil off no to, yeah. to rescue us no. right uh, and you get a bit of that confusion, even in some poetry and Christmas carols, right. right? It's like, no, this was this was entirely uh, the righteousness will. of God and the sovereignty of God in the execution of redemption. Yes, right? yeah, you get that in C.S. Lewis too, a little bit. Unfortunately, yes. in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's, and I don't know if he's making a theological point in that necessarily, but it's uh, you know, there's this idea that the Aslan has to pay the witch for you know. To yeah. redeem, to redeem Edmund. When really he's satisfying the deeper magic there. He's right. that the demands of righteousness. Right. Father, right. Yeah, the scripture tells us right from the beginning with Noah, even, God can end evil instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, he's not, the the reason this is dragging out, that evil is allowed to persist, is not because God is incapable of ending it. Mm-hmm. It's because God is loving and gracious yeah. and merciful, and he I actually see. wants to save people. And he is um, willing to be patient with evil. Now, the question is, well, well, aren't you going to punish? Romans 4. And that's where the cross makes sense of this. It's that God's saying, no, when I, when I, in the person of my son, suffer the consequences for sin, um, I'm saying that sin is punished, that there are consequences. I'm just willing to bear them for you. But it's not like I'm overlooking evil. I'm not just... I'm not uh, impotent to do anything about it, and I'm not um, uncaring or or um, like yeah. indifferent. Yeah, mm-hmm. delayed punishment yes. isn't like no punishment. No, yeah, it's not. It's just he's not willing that any should perish. I'll and and we need to, as Christians, have this hopeful optimism that Christ has come, that His kingdom has come, and it will advance through trial, through difficulty. Um, maybe even through death, but even through death, there's a crown. Yeah, and we need to not just think Jesus came, and we kind of remember that, and there's some personal benefits, but really, he's not going to change much around here until he comes back. Yeah, uh, that's just that's just a wrong way of reading. The we story. Uh, we tr- sort of read the meta narrative into our current situation, yeah, rather than looking at the whole thing. So it's like, but. But Christ's kingdom was as inevitable in Russia at the beginning of the last century when they were just about to enter a period of darkness as right. it is now. Yeah. But for the people there at the time, it might, it wouldn't have looked like that. Yeah. Right? And so for us, we see what could possibly be on the horizon uh, in our culture, and we think, well, this is, you know, this is not good. How yeah. can this still be true? When it's like, well, you have to step back. And Douglas Wilson has been really helpful for me in this. It's like, look at history in 500-year increments. Yeah. And, you know, you can see this, uh, I don't even like using the word progress, but you can see the progress of the kingdom of God Yeah, uh, through through longer, a longer view of history. And I think part of the, the reason and part of the problem that Christians get so overwhelmed by darkness, even in the Christmas season, it's like you're trying to to achieve, you're trying to um, achieve the weight of, of Christmas outside of the truth of the scriptures. Like I find even even 
uh, you know, many Christians, it's like, how do I capture that feeling of uh, happiness and warmth and hope that I felt when I was a kid, mm. right? We all kind of have this mm-hmm. probably rose-colored uh, nostalgia almost, mm-hmm. right? It's like, mm-hmm. how do I capture that? And people try to capture that kind of, you know, the lights and the, and the, and this, um, how do I get back to that? And it's like, I need to, uh, recreate this through some family event mm-hmm. or I need to, to, to do this certain thing, the festival of trees, whatever mm-hmm. it is, like redoing all these kind of traditions, which aren't bad, but it's like you're trying to find the hope of Christmas through the ornaments of Christmas, yeah. through the trappings of Christmas. Yeah. And it's like even people, you know, and and we've said, uh, you know, in the past month or two, it's like, you know, I'm not going to come to the Christmas service because mm. I'm trying to to capture that in these other things. Yeah, around it's like, no, you capture the weight of Christmas as you are immersed and located in the truth of Scripture. Yeah, and in the fellowship of God's people. Mm-hmm. It's like if you want hope and light, that's where you need to be. Yeah, right. Is there anything more depressing than a secular Christmas story? It's like the more our culture moves away from actually mentioning Jesus and like the forgiveness of sins, like when they try to just still have a Christmas tree and give gifts, like even the way they talk about and be generous with the poor, it's like you get is you're not generous at all. You get elf. Yeah. Right. Which is like a funny movie. I feel like that's a slander on elf because. (laughs) Well. What, what's it about? Yeah. It's no. about, oh, you got to have the, the feeling, the, the Christmas spirit yeah. feeling to make Santa's Yeah, and fly. that's all like, the Christmas movies. That's all they've got. And we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a funny movie, but it it's, there's, it's vacuous. There's nothing there. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, and, and I would say, but it's even worse now. Like, I've actually yeah. seen some, um, like, actual, like, uh, city square lighting of the trees and stuff. And you hear their talks, even at West. With Danielle Smith, who's, you know, like a conservative. She's not a believer, though. And it's just like, oh, your Christmas sucks. Like, you're just trying to borrow all of these good things that came out of Christianity. And you just try to leave Jesus behind. And it's just like, how lame is this? It's it's literally you try to gut Christmas of all of its substance. Yeah. And then you, like, reanimate it. Yeah. It's just this nasty corpse thing. It's it's lipstick on the shallow. It reminds me of... uh, Old Testament story of the wicked kings when they would bring in pagan altars into the temple to worship Baal in the temple. It's like they're you're bringing in um, these foreign gods into the shell of your religion. Yeah, like the temple is just a symbol of things, right? I mean, there's more to it than that, but you're worshiping these these false gods in the shell of a true religion. And yeah, that's kind of what's left. Like you've got the trappings of the the leftovers of a of a Christian holiday. Yeah. And then you're desperately get... trying to hang all this weight on it. It's like, it, there's nothing there. No, you have to, you have to go back to the scriptures. You have to go back that whatever good remnants that we experience in these days are all because of the, the liturgy of the scriptures, mm-hmm. the liturgy of truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Another aspect, I mean, going back to the tree thing, um, just really finding a sense of hope that the the kingdom is indomitable and meaning that it can't be conquered. And we see this even in, um, I think it's Isaiah, uh, which, which Luke quotes, but I'm going to read from Isaiah 9, um, a, a well-known Christmas passage. You know, it says he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. But then he goes on to say next verse, the dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. 
he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on yeah. and forevermore. Yeah. And in Luke, he picks up on this in chapter 132, he will be great and will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Like from the time that yeah. Jesus came and died and rose and ascended and was given all authority, like his kingdom began. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's a couple things there, right? yeah. Go ahead. Like um <clears throat> it's it's not like he came and later he's going to sit on the no. throne of David. No. From this time forth, like you said. And, and not just also, a spiritual kingdom, like he's yeah. presently the ruler of the kings of earth. And of the increase of his government and peace. There will yeah, be no end. It's not no like end. there's going to be a gap in that. No. Right? It's like yes, he came um, they rejected him. He went away, and so the plan is delayed. Yeah. Like, no, the, the, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Yes. Yeah. The difficulty is the zooming out, right? Right. We're so – we try to assess things by our narrow little, little limited viewpoint, even mm-hmm. in, in the span of 500 years. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, how yeah. is – but how does that work? It can't be working because it doesn't seem to be working now. And you can't do that with anything in your life. Like even working out, right? The way that you get stronger is literally by breaking down your body. So if you were to zoom in at night, you have a workout and then you zoom into that night before your recovery really hits. And you were to say, what is my physical state? You would say depleted and diminishing. Like you would actually say uh, broken. Your body's broken. Your muscles are literally broken. But if you actually zoom out and wait 12 more hours, you are actually re- mm-hmm. rebuilt and stronger. And that's how you get stronger. That's how you maintain health. But it, in anything in our life, if you were to just take a 30-second or a 10-second view of things, you would actually distort what's going on. So people who say, how can you talk about Christ's kingdom when you have communism, you know, a century, the, the bloodiest century in the history of the world was the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Like, more deaths than the history of the world um, combined. But the Spanish Inquisition, Alex. Yeah. What yeah. about the Crusades? Yeah. Yeah, but, but if you take, it's like, well, if you take that moment yeah. and you look at it, but when we look at the, the scope of history, we see that Christ does conquer. And another thing too when we think about evil we need to not view evil as in competition with god it rages and it seeks to compete but in the magnificat mary's song one of the main themes that she draws out is the exaltation of the humble and the humbling of the Mm. proud and and she sees the coming of jesus as like and and isaiah and the Old Testament prophets were all about this is what's going to happen. That the proud will be brought low. Um, Luke one forty six. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. I mean, partly how we regain perspective is just literally thinking of the context of a single woman pregnant out of wedlock in a backwoods part of town and like this is where the story that changed the whole world began Mm -hmm. like if anyone has reason for hope it's christians it's not through you know the islamic conquest of armies that this happened it's it's through the birth of a baby to a vulnerable woman 
and through an obscure life, a very short ministry, a bloody death and resurrection, and look at where we are yeah. with billions of Christ- Christians in the world. Like, if, if anything, we need to look at that and say, like, whoa, like God's kingdom truly cannot be conquered. Like, this is not how you start a kingdom. This yeah. is not how you win uh, political power. Yeah, and the people who wrote the New Testament were, were writing it from a position of an extremely small minority of people. Yeah. You know, they didn't have the kind of view we have of a of – of a religion that's spread all over the world. Like, you know, at the beginning, there's just a couple hundred of them in a room. Yeah. And then a couple thousand. And then, you know, it spreads out from there, but they're not writing from this position of, uh, evident, um, uh, victory in every single, in every sphere. They were, they were being persecuted and murdered and cast out of the synagogues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going to distant parts of the world and facing opposition there. And, yeah. Uh, but they they believed that this was the beginning of what Isaiah talked about. Yes, there. Yeah. and it's it's interesting, um, kind of looking at the impotence of rage, even the act of rage. Yeah, who rages? People who know they can't do anything. Yeah, right. About the inevitability of their opposers. It's right. a last case is Christ. Yeah. And and you see in Psalm two, you see in Revelation, mm-hmm. the rage of the kingdoms, right? That and and the kings of this earth, when you know their subjects are raging against them, there's that feeling of like insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Like my power only persists in so long as they have the buy-in of these people. Mm-hmm. But you have you look in the scriptures, and what oh God is laughing, right? Mm-hmm. What. At what point can you laugh? You can laugh when there is no doubt whatsoever in the success of your plans, right? Mm-hmm. And that we see that God doing it. Mm-hmm. Not a, a, a spiteful, cynical laughter, but kind of a joyful, full laughter of like the insanity of, of your enemies, right? Uh, <laughs> seeking to, to rise up to heaven to pull you down off your throne. It's completely insane, right? Yeah. Uh, but to remind ourselves just of, of kind of the joy and the uh, immovability of the mm-hmm. Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Even in the wake of, of the, the kind of the impotent rage of the nations. Mm-hmm. He goes, Mary goes on to say, he has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts, and he has toppled the mighty from their thrones mm. and exalted the lowly. He has. And she sees in her life, her life is an example of this actually happening, going to the most lowly and exalting them to the position of the mother of God. I mean, we don't want to go down the road that Catholics go down, but it's like, I think Protestants wrongly in a response to that, like overlook Mary. I mean, Mary plays a very prominent role yeah. in the narr- in, in the gospel story, Um but the Magnificat is just an example of that. But like her life and the way that God chose to come into the world through his son uh, is an example of him exalting the lowly. The application I want to make from this is it's easy to feel. I mean, if you listen, say you follow politics and you listen to these guys um, and girls, these men and women, they just lie. Like they just actually lie and lie and lie and cheat and steal and kill um, and you just get the feeling like this will just continue indefinitely, but we need to realize like in God's world, it doesn't, that doesn't happen. And God doesn't let that happen. Mm-hmm. And people may actually get away in their life with evil and then face judgment upon their death. Um, but overall, this entire world is the Lord's and the 
those who exalt themselves will be humbled, even mm-hmm. in this life. And that unbelief is parasitic and unbelief cannot build. The only reason our country right now can do the things we're doing as far as wickedness is because they've latched on to the institutions and the laws and the structures and the goodwill of a populace that has been the fruit of Christianity. Mm, Like, you can't do what we've done um, without those things. No, you can't start from scratch. No, you can't. There's nothing. They don't build anything. They just take over. So, I think... I think we are, and we're totally in disarray. We're totally in decline and and chaos. And um, as we descend to that, we need to keep hope. And no, Christ reigns. He is the ruler, and not just in some spiritual sense. Like he, all of the kings of the earth must now uh, recognize his reign, and uh, and we need to show them what that looks like. Mm. So, is there a place? For Christians who don't necessarily affirm the uh, tangible, visible increase of righteousness in the earth, I'm thinking of people who are not post-millennials. Yeah. Can they still have hope? How, and, yeah. and if so, how? Yeah, I think, well, obviously there's all of the ways in which even, even someone who's post-millennial has to acknowledge that there are aspects to Christ's rule and kingdom which we anticipate at his return. So the you know the last days in the Bible began with Christ's coming and it's it finishes with his return. And so we're in the last days um, but every Christian it's it's actually false teaching to deny that Christ will return and um, to say that everything, that he died and rose to accomplish has been accomplished. That's false. So every, every Christian has a sense in which there are things that yeah. I will never experience in my life. It lives in a certain state of, of not fulfillment yet yes. and longing. Yes. Yes. And um, that's a, that's a good thing. And there's plenty of scriptures that encourage us towards that longing to set our mind on things above. And, so, so we need to say that, yeah. and, and the Christian hope isn't in what I'm not saying is our hope is in the degree of progress of righteousness here and now. Right. I don't know the degree right. of progress. Like for all I know, even if if we're thinking in terms of 500 years, yeah, segments, even, we're likely not going to see any of yeah, that. Yeah, like I, I probably, for all I know, my best bet is that we're going up the mountain, but we're actually in a valley of the mountain, and we're going to go pretty far down. Like, I expect it to be several generations, should the Lord tarry. Um, there would need to be mass revival throughout mm-hmm. the Western yeah. culture to, to begin to rebuild. Um, the, I see us in the, in the, you know, 500 to 800 year project. It's actually coming to an end. Like, Christendom 1.0, we're not going to just, um, change some things it's actually over way back like it's it's over like it's unbelief is pervasive and what needs to happen is a regeneration yeah the the restoration of the foundations of righteousness so i actually people label this kind of level this it's like oh you're just putting your hope in what you see around no 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 like i personally think it's going to get way worse yeah and i personally think that my children will suffer. Like I personally yeah. think that the world around me you're, is going like this. You're different. Yeah. The difference would be is that you think it's going to get worse and then get better. I think that 
it's but to me it's I do think it will get better because Christ is king and he's successful. But again, it's not on sticking my finger in the air and like seeing which way the wind's blowing. Yeah. I'm actually just saying Jesus in the first century, you know, when Nero reigned, he said that he is the king. He is yeah. the ruler of that guy. And I believe that that's true. I believe that Jesus is the ruler of Justin Trudeau. I believe that he is his king in the sense that not that he recognizes kingship, but Christ is the only sovereign, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe that. And I believe that his kingdom is one that will never end. I believe that his kingdom cannot be stopped. It will increase. It will increase. I just Mm -hmm. believe that. So whether that happens through the slaughter of the saints and the blood of the martyrs, or whether that happens through cataclysmic revival in the land and a return to God and his rule. Um, I don't know, but I'm entirely hopeful because uh, wicked men don't win. Yeah. They just don't. And they're they're, they right now is a time of patience for them. And it's a time for them to repent. Mm. And that's that's, our call to them. And this calls for the patience of the saints as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, people of all eschatological persuasions can be guilty of sort of sticking their finger in the air, like you say, like which way is the wind blowing? And, and right now, because we are in a, a period of uh, evident decline, it's easy for us to say, okay, well, things are going to get worse and then it's going to end. Yeah. Right? It's Things are going to go from bad to worse. Um, and people will quote And that. every generation has thought people, that. And every, every generation has thought that. Um and so there's that's I think that's the prevailing narrative in Christian circles is that obviously the world gets worse and worse before Jesus comes. Yeah. Before he returns. And, yeah. And uh, as a pessimist that that like that rings to me. And so Yeah. Um and uh but I've, you know, in the last couple of years have recently become post millennial. And so that kind of goes against my natural pessimistic um pessimistic bent, I don't, but I think I think yeah. you're right like we don't know what it looks like necessarily for the kingdom to succeed no and and we can fall into the trap of saying well it succeeds when politics looks like this or when the economy looks like this or when there's this many churches per capita like we have you know we set up our own metric in our head yeah as to what that looks like uh, and that's that's just not the right approach and, either. and eschatology isn't inconsequential or to the degree that we often grew up assuming it was, right? Yeah. I think I think um, there is a reason that postmodernals. You can even look back into the seventeenth, uh, eighteenth centuries, and and Jonathan Edwards, mm-hmm. and kind of their their eagerness and their insistence on prayer for revival. The postmillennial hope fueled that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there, the, that's maybe another discussion, but basically. Um, hope isn't not tied no, to right. eschatology. No, and, and I want to maybe talk about the fruit of hope, and that actually is labor, because you mentioned the postmillennial hope um, that Christ would successfully that we would the the call to disciple the nations um, because Christ is with us <clears throat> until the end of the age. We've been given a mission that will succeed. It might succeed through death, and it might succeed through generations of failure, but it will actually succeed. And they believe that and it drove that. Looking at the Christmas story, again, 
Mary is, is, is we, we've elevated her and we have this image of the, the stable and the, it's like poor, obscure, vulnerable, powerless, absolutely powerless person. Okay. Um, this is God's plan to save the world. And the disciples, even when they went out from Jerusalem, they're like, oh, I guess, I guess God's going to save the nations now. It's like people who their own nation was conquered by Rome, Mm -hmm. like their own, their one little Jewish nation, which was a tiny little nobody nation. If you, if you're not a Christian, you don't read the Bible and you just look at history. The Jews are certainly prominent, but you think of Egypt, you think of Babylonians, you think of Alexander the Great and Macedonians, like you, you think of other empires, right? Romans, obviously, the Greeks, um, living as a conquered people, you know, and the one of the most obscure one of them, powerless, has a baby, and the church saw this as the beginning of the end of those nations, and they're 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 reign against God. <laughs> it's like what what. The application I want to make to us is, Christian, don't be discouraged when you realize the entire culture is wicked and full of unbelief, yeah. and there aren't many of us. Yeah. It's like, this if has he can always fan, been if the If he way. can fan into flame that little woman, that little baby. That virgin born, woman. Then, I mean, what bruised reed can't he yes. build up? What, quench, mm. what uh, smoking flax can't he blow back? Yeah. Right? Mm. doesn't matter if this is the last person. Elijah, right? Yes. Yeah. Those few pro- those few thousand prophets. It's like it's yes. it, there's seven thousand who have yeah. the knee. Yeah. Noah and, and his family. Yeah. Yeah. When people get discouraged because the state of the world around us, it's like your hope is in the wrong place. Like I follow it as much as anyone probably, and I know the feeling of discouragement, but it's like, wait a second. My hope is never in politicians. My hope is never in um, civil servants or my hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that, you know, even if there is one faithful church in, in Peterborough, there are more than, there's more than one. But even if there was, there's some faithful people. It's like God could literally do what he did in Ephesus and bring about such a revival that the entire economy changes. Like God can do that. And we need to believe that and we need to labor for that. So we need to, in one sense, need to stop assessing the um, righteousness level of the culture around us to see where our investment will be. Right. It's like, look, we need to go preach the gospel to make disciples of the nations and to teach them to obey everything God commanded. That might be easier and it might be harder and it might be many open doors and it might be closed doors and it might mean suffering and death and it might mean elevation and and prominence. Who knows? That's up to God. But we don't we don't wake up and look at the news and just think like, I wonder if it's even worth it, right? It's like, I wonder if there's any chance of us actually winning this thing. It's like, if that was the attitude of the saints, we would never be here. Yeah. Right? It's like, well, there's about a hundred of us scared in a room and, uh, you know, our own nation is slave to that nation. And what's the hope of the Roman Empire falling? Yeah. I love that uh, Douglas Wilson quote where he talks about David and Goliath. And yeah. How uh, <laughs> David's perspective was, well, he's so big, I can't miss. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's um, the, the target is so huge. good. <laughs> it. it Kind of an illustration of that reminds me of, we were just talking a few nights ago about, um, you probably heard the story of, of Oxford, 
um, planting trees um, with the expectation that 400 years in the future, the, um, the, the support beams would need to be replaced. Um, wow. So they planted these trees with that expectation. But kind of that perspective would be, well, what's the point in planting these trees? A hurricane could destroy them all. Like yeah. a fire could destroy them yeah. all, right? Like what's the point, Yeah. right? But no, you 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 look ahead with hope yeah. and you plant your little seed in yeah. faith that somewhere down the road, God willing, yeah. um, your little efforts will be able to use by a future mm. generation. Right? Yeah, ours, you know, duties are ours, circumstances are the Lord's, yeah. as the Puritans said, yeah. like... Our job is to plant a tree. We can't control whether there's a fire or a war or something in 200 years. Yeah. That's that's not our that's not for us to know. Mm-hmm. And for us as Christians, we need to live faithfully as citizens of Christ's kingdom. We need to call others to repentance and to obey him and let the chips fall where they may, knowing that ultimately he he um he will reign on the earth. So, amen. Be encouraged. Amen. Yeah. Amen, indeed. Well, you guys got any uh, Christmas baking tips before we go or anything like that? <laughs> you know what? We're going to have Christmas in Barbados. <laughs> hey, so that's we're gonna, nice. We're going to be doing Christmas Day. What are, uh, what are some of the traditions down there? What do they do? Well, I tease Rebecca because um, they still have, like, they sing Christmas songs about, like, snow and all this stuff, even <laughs> yeah. though they have none. But they one of the cool things is they go to church typically at daybreak. So we're going to church at like 7 a.m. Nice. They usually, she grew up going at 6 a.m. So with the rising of the sun, you you go to church. We're excited about that. Um, there's a, a church down there we've been looking to get to. Solid Reformed Brother pastoring that. We're excited to check it nice. out. Uh, it Barbadians just eat like Barbadians are foodies. They love food and they really know how to cook. And Christmas is like they make all the things they always have, but they have all of it at once. Right. <laughs> and they think it's special. It's just like, can you believe? I'm like, we're eating, but everything. we always have that. It's like, yeah, but we have all of it today. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So I think that's what Beck's looking forward to the most nice. is the food. Um, are Hill City me- meeting with us in the morning or are you guys meeting uh, no, in the we're afternoon? still having our own service okay. at four. I don't think we'd be able to fit. No. Our church plus your church. Well, just, it just depends. I mean, you but we are uh, we are sharing Christmas Eve. Yes, with you guys, which, which is going to be lovely. Is. Sad to miss that. Yeah, it's going to be lovely. Um, yeah, we've got uh, the Westmount Choir is going to sing a couple tunes. Mm. Nice, and then uh, some presented songs, and then of course we'll be singing some some uh, good old Christmas hymns together. Great. So it's going to be a good time. That yes. is at. Uh, do you know what time that's at? Six, I believe. Six o'clock Christmas Eve at Westmount. All right. Well, I'll probably get to uh, leave with a little Handel's Messiah. I know we've, yes. I know we've played it in the past, uh, but I'm going to play it again this Good. time. Wonderful, because it's such a such a great passage of scripture and a great piece of music. So we uh, are happy you joined us, and uh, please check out our sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, remind me again, that's Tristan's Folklorist. I believe you can find him on all the pod, on all the uh, platforms. Yep. Just put an at before it. And uh, we'll link to that. And then, of course, uh, you know, if you got kids, send them to KCCS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Oh!